Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens in the history of the church, things get messy. And after this past synod, and looking forward to this next synod, things are really starting to get messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. We also want to say thank you to everyone who sponsored us on Patreon. We're slowly making our way to our modest goal of 20 sponsors at $5 a month. So if you appreciate what we're doing and want to help us continue to put out content, head on over to patreon.com slash themessyreformation. You can also support us for free by sharing our content. I'm a terrible self-marketer and everyone knows that now, so I need your help. If you know of anyone who would benefit from listening to this content, let them know about the Messy Reformation. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of my conversation with my wife, Rachel Rice. Often when you look at the stories, if you leave them as they are, they start um, missing out. They leave the kids in the wonder. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder. And I, and I like how they have the I wonder questions. And I think that's good to have them like, I wonder. But then they let every answer to sustain and stay there. Mm. Like, I wonder. You're like, hmm, that could be right. Like, no, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to be okay with selling somebody that's wrong. Yeah. Um, and so they stay in the, I wonder, and they don't finish it. They like start it out and they kind of like show them a little bit of, in a little taste because they want them to come back wanting more, but I feel like they don't finish the story. Yeah. And so that's where I feel like, um, so we just started doing this children worship curriculum and I didn't even know really what to expect. I just knew I had been a part of it a couple times beforehand and this is, of course, for the for the really little kids. But as I keep going through it, I was like, oh, I kind of, you know, like, I'm like, this is doing good. Like, I like this. And then I'm like, ah, oh, so close, but doesn't quite, you know, doesn't quite really, you know, finish it out. And so, you know, how do we do that as um, ministry leaders and how do we make sure that's solid and not just leaving kids and not the I wonder and not finishing pointing it out? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's... Uh, I- I mean, what what I find really interesting. I don't know how long that children and worship curriculum has been around, um, but did did you experience? Was it? Did you feel similar stuff when you were teaching little lambs as well? Did it do similar? Have similar kind of issues? Yeah. Um. I. I. Yeah. I think so. And it didn't bug me as much then as it does now. I think I'm just understand theology a little bit more mm-hmm. um, and want more out of the curriculum than I did even back then. But the thing that kind of bugged me a little before, and it could be nice, I just, I don't see the, they bounce around so much with the curriculum. Hmm. And they're trying to have like a, you know, a couple different years. And then, but they're bouncing from like, you know, Old Testament to New Testament back and forth. And I didn't really see the purpose and how that was 
really helping. Yeah. I just, one of the things I, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder about is, uh, um, we have a, a whole denomination full of leaders right now who want to stay in the I wonder, yep. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, that's the problem, right? We had, uh, after Synod last year, we had a whole bunch of people say like, you were worshiping clarity. And they're like, we just have to, we have to wonder about these. We have to, we have to live in the mystery. That's the older person word for wonder. And I'm like, is that the result of this kind of curriculum that's been around for a long time? Just live in the wonder and be in conversation with one another and, and just live there and, and never actually come down to a conclusion. Yeah. I mean, I have a hard time just with all these curriculums in general too, because we only see these children you know, so many Sundays uh, a year. And so most often you're seeing them only through the school year and then you're off for holidays, which is good. I mean, we can't push our ministry leaders beyond, you know, where yeah. they can be. But it, you you have them, you, so you only have so many times where you can get in and there's a lot that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I think that falls primarily on the, on the parents. They should be teaching. Yeah. The parents, you know, I mean, yeah, the three-legged stool. I mean, this is a key thing. Mm-hmm. So, but if you, all you ever get are, you know, twenty Sundays, that's not a lot you can get in there. Yeah, you know, and so you're gonna you're gonna miss out on things, and you're gonna just most often. I feel like they just hit the big stories. The yeah, <laughs> you know, Joseph and Moses and Noah, and um, you don't really get to the to the deeper things. I feel like once they start getting into school and you know if you're able to do it at home that's where you can get you know our kids studying things that um, bring the tough questions yeah not the easy ones yeah i mean i don't know i I mean i've never taught really little kids sunday school um do they do they hit judges no yeah so i mean it may be samson because that's kind of a fun story but but they're not really diving into like God's people spiraling out of control. No. <laughs> right? They're not talking about that. They're like, ooh, Samson, he's this big, strong guy. That's kind of a fun story. Let's tell the kids about that. Um, but they're not like, God's people got so bad that one guy chopped up a prostitute into 13 pieces and sent it out. To yeah. <laughs> right? There's so many times in the Old Testament where like, and they went off and they were bad. Yeah. <laughs> and they were bad. They did yeah. what was right in their own eyes. And yeah. they were, did that again. And they're idiots again. And we're like, oh, you're just great. You're so special. That's what we see in yeah. Sunday school. Yeah. Oh, you're God's child. You're so special, which is true. But <laughs> it's also like... <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> They're both up. true, right? That's uh, our kids. Uh, our kids have said that. Um, you know, they've come home from different uh, different chapel messages or whatever, and they're like. Oh, it was somebody telling us how special we are again. And, and they're like, that's, I, I'm kind of tired about hearing the whole, like, you're special, you're special. There's more. I want more than that, yeah. you know? Yeah, you often have, like, the promises of God or, you know, what who God says you are. and Yeah. Yeah, and that's, like, those are important things. And we are valuable, right? We are made in the image of God. Like, none of that's false. But I think um, we've just become so unbalanced on it that, um, and, and, and this is really one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot this week. This is kind of a preview. Actually, I guess when this comes out, I'll have already preached my sermon. But um, my, my sermon th- this Sunday is on j- the last part of John chapter 6, where, you know, Jesus had fed the 5,000. He walked on water. The people talked to him. He talked to them about 
um, him being the bread of life. They need to they need to feed on his flesh. They need to drink his blood. And then their response to him is, Jesus, that's a really hard saying. Who can listen to it? Um, and and it, it's not saying hard like that's difficult to understand. The word hard is actually, I can't remember, scleros. And it means harsh, offensive, mean, violent. And so they're like, Jesus, that was really mean what you just said. That was really harsh. And Jesus doesn't go, oh, I'm really sorry. He says, you think you're offended by that? Wait till you see what's going to happen in a little bit. You're really going to be offended. And then, and then he goes off, and then, and then they all leave him, and then he looks at his disciples, and he says, you guys want to go too? Um, he's not like this needy person out there. But anyways, one, one of the things in the midst of that, I was thinking about, and actually I did want to talk about this today, so we'll talk about it. That, um, Jesus wasn't afraid to offend people. Um, and, and when he did offend people, he actually just doubled down on offending them. Um, and he said, oh, you think that's offensive? Let me show you something else that's really going to offend you. And, uh, and in the midst of that, Calvin, Calvin says, um, it's a failure of the church. Uh, this is a paraphrase. It's a failure of the church when they try to remove the offense of the gospel. Um, and that's what I think we're trying to do, right? In, in our children's programs, we're trying to remove anything that's kind of offensive, and we're just trying to make it all nice, light, and fluffy, right? I, I remember you did a children's message at church one time on David, and David killing Goliath, um, and you, you didn't leave out the part where David cut off Goliath's head and held it up. <laughs> and I loved that. I just, I got so excited because nobody ever talks about the part where David hacked his head off and held it up, you know? Um, but that's part of the story. Um, and that's offensive to some people, right? And, and, and the moment the church tries to make the gospel, or even the biblical teachings, which is the gospel, makes that unoffensive, um, for one, it's an impossible task because it will always be offensive. Uh, Calvin has this really great line where he says, non-believers can suck gall from honey and they can suck venom from the sweetest plant. <laughs> he said, like, there's nothing you can do to make the gospel unoffensive. And yet, that's one of the things we've been trying to do over and over and over again. In the Christian Reformed Church, we, we've tried to be culturally relevant, which just means we're going to water everything down trying not to offend anybody by it. And uh, we still offend them, and there's no power anymore. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know, it's just, it's one of the things that I think we need to, we just need to be able to, I, I wish we could all be more like Jesus. <laughs> and, and, in, and like the real Jesus, right? Like not the, the Jesus that kind of floats above the ground a little bit, but, but the Jesus that really ticked people off a lot. Um, of course, he was nice and gentle. I, I get all of that, but and I probably overemphasize the other side because there's so many people who can't imagine Jesus clearing the temple with a whip and whipping people. Like he did that. He called people children of the devil. He called he called people pits of vipers and whitewashed tombs. He said very very hard things to people, um, and yet he was also gentle. And he was also uh, one of the one of the things I heard recently. Um, Jesus said all of those things, and yet the sinners and the tax collectors enjoyed being around him. And so there's that tension there. And actually, Jesus was very comfortable being around sinners and tax collectors, and, and all of the like 
the the Pharisees and stuff, they were the ones who were not very comfortable around him, which which I think is really interesting. And you know, Rachel and I have had to, we've we've done that a little bit. You know, we we spend a lot of time with at the hockey community, and and so we're around a lot of people who are not necessarily believers, and uh, and so trying to figure out how to live in that tension is uh, is something we've had to talk about quite a bit. Well, one of the things that, that I was thinking of, even in, in relation to talking about trying to remove the offense of the gospel, is actually when you keep trying to remove the offense of the gospel, you become offensive <laughs> in and of itself. I suppose that's that's probably pretty harsh to say. But um, and one of the things <laughs> this is this is a bad segue, but but it's true. Um, this segues me into talk about the banner, <laughs> which I think. In a lot of ways, oh man, I, I get... I, well, when when the banner for, I don't know how long now, when it's coming to our house, I like to grab it first before the kids can he could even see it when they're younger because of so many things they put in there that make it sound like this is true, this is what, what the Christian Reformed faith is based on. And before I let the kids even see what's in there, not that they were ever really going through there, I wanted to see what was in there because often there was stuff in there that wasn't true and was false. Yeah. And so let me, let me just couch that. And so you understand our family a little bit because some people, especially if there's any critics of, of us listening to this, they would think, Oh, you guys are so sheltered. You won't even let your kids read the banner. Yeah. We won't let our kids read the banner, but we will let our 16 year old daughters play on an 18 year old boys hockey team and be around all of that filth. It's not that we're trying to shelter them, but we're trying to shelter them from someone who's saying they're a Christian, right? And then teaching wrong things. We're okay with being out in the world and being around, around like impurities or whatever you want to say, unrighteousness. But it's different when it's coming out of the banner. Well, and the topics that have been brought up in the banner have been going on around our table at home, which is what the banner always, you know, what I was told was what it was supposed to be. It was like a table talk. But none of those questions or the articles in there was whatever what um, was what led it. But we would go through the Heidelberg Catechism devotional that we use, and sometimes I would bring it up, or just our kids' everyday lives. As they get older, these issues are coming up more and more. Yeah. Even if they're going to a Christian school, or even if they're hanging out with Christian friends, um, but our our children are definitely involved with non Christians, or or maybe just Christians that aren't living their faith out, or Christians that are of this world. Yeah. You know, so we've been going through these questions. It's not like we avoid them and keep them away from our kids. It's just I feel like the banner doesn't really do a good job of of trying to show even the theology of the Christian Reformed Church. It's just trying to say like, hey, this could be it. I wonder I wonder if our faith was if our denomination's wrong here and I wonder if it's more like this. This kind of works more with what the world's saying and it sounds nice and sweet and that's what we want to be is nice and sweet nice lights in the world yeah and and by doing that we're actually are offensive right i mean some some of what's going on in the banner is actually offensive because i think it's it's uh it's you know i was thinking of in in relation to the passage i'm preaching on i was thinking of jesus said like when i come back those who are ashamed of me I will be ashamed of them. And, uh, and I think the same thing would go like, those who are offended by me and who are offended by my teachings, which they are one and the same, Jesus and his teachings are one, 
Um, those who are offended by those things, I'm going to be offended by them. And uh, they are offensive to me, right? And, uh, and so, again, it's this idea where there's this tone where we're, like, ashamed of what Jesus has said, and we're trying to get around it, or we're afraid to ever take a stand. And, yeah, we like that. That's going to be the other theme is uh, this I wonder. We just want to hang there. And, uh, you know, the G.K. Chesterton quote is, right, an, an, an open mouth is not meant to stay open forever. It's meant to close on something. And same with a, a mind that wonders is eventually meant to stop wondering about that thing. It's, it's made to come to a conclusion about something. Yeah, and thinking now, we should have probably tried taking the banner with our kids and, as, you know, especially as they were getting older, having them like look at the articles and circle the things they see in there that are maybe looking like they have authority that they don't really have an authority, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it makes me think of um, something our kids were listening to and there was a buzzer going off every time there was assumptive language being used, you know? So if it was something like that or have them look through and see where they're leaving, what kind of, you know, have them ask themselves, what are they trying to do here? Or what do you see them doing here? Because yeah. often you can kind of see what the author's intent in these, in these articles are. Yeah. Um, one of the things I used to really enjoy about the banner was when they would uh, put different articles in about churches and the different ministries they've done. And so different churches get quite creative with like the washing machines that they would have for their community, Mm -hmm. different ways that they'd reach in. And um, I don't even know if they do that anymore. Maybe they do, but I feel like they had a good emphasis of, of what churches were doing. And I know sometimes it could look like just a place to put like, Whoa, look what we're doing. But in a sense, it's also like it gives motivation to other churches. You know, how can we bless our communities? How can we live out our faith? How can we, you know, try to be the hands and feet of Jesus out in the community and, and sometimes doing those physical acts or different ways, you know, or the different ministries you have. It, churches get stagnant. We need new ideas, right? Yeah. You need to come up with different things. And so that was one of the things I used to really enjoy about the banner. Yeah, and I would say I, I used to. And uh, I don't want to get rag on. I mean, but um, one of the my frustrations has been all of those stories now all have a very much of an agenda behind them now. Look at this church that is doing some racial reconciliation thing, and look at this church who's doing some other social justice thing, and look at this church, and we're not hearing stories about churches who are being creative about bringing the gospel into the community. It's all like social justice kind of things because they're really pushing that so hard. Every church I read about is it's some social justice agenda. Yeah, I've definitely seen that. I mean, it's normally like a hidden agenda that really isn't hidden. It's pretty pretty easy to see. Yeah, and that, I mean, that, I, I've said this uh, a bunch of times. I'll keep saying it because it's true, and, and, and I think this is accurate, um, that there's a blindness there, right? I think there, I don't even know if they're, if I'm going to be very cynical, they're, they're doing this agenda intentionally, um, if I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, I think they're just blind to pushing this agenda. And, and there's just, there's such a level of blindness that I just, it, it's so hard. It's so hard to, to help them see it because they're, they're so blind to it. I mean, just recently, and I'm not going to go off on this for a very long time, but 
um, the, the newest issue of the banner, you know, shows up and has a full, a full ad on the back cover of it for this better together a third way, right? A full page ad on the back cover of it the month before Synod. Now tell me that's not an agenda. And, and what, and you might say, well, that's not that big of a deal. But what the big deal is, is that Abide had already approached the banner to, to put an ad in the banner and the banner said, no, we're not going to do ads for anybody who's pushing an agenda over policy matters in the CRC. They said, we turned down, uh, you know, all one body, we're turning down Abide and, and that's it. And now we see this Better Together ad in the banner. And so people got frustrated right away and, and emailed Editor Chong and said, what is the deal? And uh, his response was, well, Better Together is not pushing an agenda. They're saying both ways are good. So they're saying both ways are fine. That's not an agenda. And uh, which is, uh, that's blind. That's just, let's just be honest. That's blind. Because actually Better Together's agenda is contrary to the decisions that were made by Synod 2022. Synod 2022 said, this is a confessional matter. We are not better together, united on this issue. You can't be an office bearer and hold to this. And so, better together is actually pushing an agenda contrary to what the official position of the Christian Reformed Church is, and abide is actually teaching and pushing, and if you want to call it, an agenda that is in line with what the Christian Reformed Church already believes. And so if anybody's going to get space in the banner, it should be abide. And, and I'm fine with them shutting abide down for our ad. I think that's fine. But what bothers me is when Grand Rapids East ponies up $5,000 to start this organization and then has the kind of pull to get that in the banner on the back page of it, full page, right before Synod, all of that politics tells you that tells you that this denomination is broken. And I guess all of that, besides just my own frustration with it, um, I want to just take that down to one more thing that has become my my new like encouragement, is uh, we, we can't rely on the bureaucracy of the CRC anymore. It's broken. They're blind. They are blind guides. Um, the local church needs to rise up. And the local church needs to be empowered. The local church needs to get involved, start raising up leaders, start creating our own Sunday school material that's actually good. Start discipling our kids. Let's start doing the work and stop relying on the denomination because they're not going to do it. Hopefully, after Synod 2023, we'll make some really helpful decisions and some things will start changing in the denomination, I think. But for right now, the local church needs to, to raise up and step up and, uh, and, uh, and be leaders in the church today. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts looking forward um, to, the, to the Christian Reformed Church? You got to kind of walk with me leading up to Synod last year, coming out of Synod. Um, actually, I, I came out of Synod last year. I didn't feel too beat up, wore out, and exhausted. Um, I have a feeling this year is going to be a little different. Don't, what do you think? Yeah, I think this year will definitely be a little bit more rough on you, just physically and mentally and spiritually, because um, there's going to be a lot more in it. But, um, I mean, definitely hopeful for, you know, what's going to happen here at Synod. I mean, God's will is, you know, God's will. He's in charge yeah. no matter what. So, I mean, but we 
you know, we have these hopes and goals in mind, what's going to happen with the CRC after this. Um, so I'm, I mean, sometimes I feel skeptical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's times where I'm thinking like, Ugh, it's not going to go the way we want to mm-hmm. go. It's just going to, I don't know. And people are just, it's just going to kind of go back and forth and keep flopping. And, but, um, but I've seen and, and heard about a lot of people that are, that are, um, that have good, strong theology that feel the same way you do yeah. and we do. And so that, that definitely does make me hopeful. But there are still a lot of people who even have strong theology that feel like you have to be nice and they don't want to be mean and they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Mm-hmm. And so that's sometimes making a decision that's hard is hard when you know it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was just on jury duty and... You know, it's going to hurt somebody's feelings if you find them guilty. It's going to, you know, you're going to mess with somebody's life, but that can't change why you're going to make a decision if that's the decision that needs to be made. Yeah. You know, um, but I feel like everybody struggles with that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the joke has been, right, it's the 11th commandment, be nice. And a lot of people think if they're not nice, they're not being Christian. Yeah. Sometimes the 11th commandment, yeah, be nice is kind of trumps all the other ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it is the one that trumps all other ones. And to that, Jesus would say, "You make the law of man more important than the law of God, because the Ten Commandments do not say be nice. <laughs> they say they say don't lie. You know, they say don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't hate your brother. You know, don't covet. Right? But it never says be nice. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? That's that sums up the second half. That that maybe that people take love as being be nice, but but we know that love isn't always nice. Yeah. I mean, you're married to me, so. I mean, definitely when you, you know, you're a parent, you realize sometimes loving your kids is not always being nice to them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and so we're, uh, we're kind of gearing up here for uh, Synod 2023. We just found out all you know, all the program committee stuff is all uh, public now, and so I think it's fairly public that I'm chairing uh, advisory committee eight, which is the committee overseeing uh, the discipline of Neeland Avenue. Really, it's overseeing all the overtures about gravamina, the in loco committee, and all the overtures calling for discipline of Neeland, and so on and so forth. So we've got a huge committee. So I'd be just encouraging all of you guys to be praying for me as and that committee as we prepare as we read through 40 overtures and and prepare to figure out the best path forward for the denomination pray that the spirit would lead and uh so 40 overtures just for your group just for mine that's a lot yeah that's yeah in how many days uh well the advisory committee gets like two days to deal with it i mean ours won't ours will go throughout the week i'm sure so okay but still yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. So we're, we got to do a lot of work ahead of time. We got to come and then we got to work through all of these overtures and then come up with recommendations moving forward. So the, the human sexuality, there's a whole bunch, there's a whole nother advisory committee that's just centered on uh, human sexuality stuff, all the overtures that were written in response to last year's decision. And so they have a lot too. I think they have around 30 something overtures as well to deal with. So that's another really big one. Um, but yeah, so just a lot of prayers, uh, for us leading up to it, but I'm, I'm hopeful. And, uh, you know, Rachel, I mean, there's, I think everybody has a level of skepticism, 
right? And I, I don't think she's alone in that. I think it just proves, though, and this is what gets me so frustrated. What, the, the votes at Synod 2022 were so overwhelming, right? 70 to 30, over 70% to less than 30%. And I wouldn't have believed that because you kept telling me these these type of numbers beforehand. And, and because of the voices that I heard, I was thinking like, oh, you're just hopeful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it was quite surprising for me for the numbers to be actually be there. And it was, I mean, refreshing to know. Yeah, and I'm assuming, I mean, I, I'm assuming that they will be close to that this year. I'm probably not quite as much because I think the progressives are doing a big push trying to get their delegates in. You know, they did a big push. Um, but it, but I'm, I'm guessing, I'll just say it right now so you can hear it, but I'm guessing we'll be 60, 65% um, Orthodox delegates, two thirds, and I've been saying that for a very, very long time, and uh, and it frustrates the daylights out of me that most people are actually very cynical about the future of the CRC, and it's because our leaders and our publications and all of that do not represent the local church. That's that's my big frustration. Um, that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast. That's one of the reasons why Abide has been writing articles is because the the upper people in the denomination, the banner, the leaders, they don't actually represent the rest of the church. And they're really blind to what's actually going on in most of the churches throughout the Christian Reformed Church. And so um, that's why I'm hopeful, because I get to interview pastors and, and normal people all throughout the Christian Reformed Church. And the more and more I do that, the more hopeful I am that actually that 70% number is very accurate. So the, the bigger question is, since, since I've got this really difficult committee coming up here, how nice are you going to be to me leading up to Synod and then coming out of Synod? Like, what nice things are you going to do to support me and, and help make my life a little bit easier in such a difficult and trying time? I think this is the whole reason you want to do this interview now, so I have time to try to think of doing something. Or at least I'll feel guilty because the Catholic theology will come back a little bit. So afterwards, I'll probably be just a little bit nicer, I suppose. The things we do to, to get our spouse to do nice things for us, we get them on a podcast and pin them down right at the end. There we go. No, I think, I mean, normally it's, you know, it's hard when you're gone, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, I and mean, it'll be it'll be hard when I'm gone, and I'll come back exhausted. I think this and, time, and that's always hard too. Anytime you go on on these type of, you know, um, trips or different things, when you mm-hmm. come back and you come back exhausted, and I'm exhausted, and so yeah. it's it's hard to get that. But now our family's older, so that helps out. Yeah, it changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I think just kind of the final word for the podcast is uh, two things. Have a little stubbornness in your life. That's a good thing. Don't the right kind of stubbornness. The right kind of have, okay. We'll say determination. And you need to be able to be corrected. Yes. Right. So if you're going to be stubborn, you're going to have to be able to be corrected and take that correction. Yeah. Which you're really good at. I'm not as good at it, but <laughs> but you're really good at it, and that's that's um yeah that's why your stubbornness turns out to be a, probably a healthier stubbornness than my stubbornness. <laughs> So be stubborn and be ready to repent, right? That's uh, be ready to repent of your stubbornness when it goes wrong. Um, but that's a huge thing in the Christian life in general. Second one, don't stay with I wonder. Take some time to wonder. That's a good thing. Take some time to think, be curious, to let your mind wander, to try to figure out, to try to think creatively about application of scripture. But 
But then you have to finally like dock the boat somewhere. Yeah, don't stay in that I wonder. That's yeah. what. And don't be afraid of it either. I think some people are afraid of being in the I wonder. Um, that's not going to be helpful either. But so be a little stubborn. Be ready to repent. Don't stay in the I wonder. Pray for Jason. <laughs> no, don't just pray for me. Pray for the future of the Christian Reformed Church. Pray that Synod would continue to be faithful to God, that we would do his will, uh, and that God's name would be lifted up and glorified, um, and that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, um, and that that would be done through the Christian Reformed Church, that we'd be reformed in a positive way, and that we would move forward in a way that brings glory and honor to our God. That's all we have for this week. If you want to help us out and support the Messy Reformation, another thing you can do is head on over to themessyreformation.com. Look in the menu bar and find Join the Reformation. By clicking on that, you can sign up for our newsletter where you'll get episodes sent right directly to your email inbox, and it will give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head on over there and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned next week for our conversation with Todd Zydema and President Hookstra from Dort University. But until then, don't forget this is Christ Church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.